You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Explore the canon of books that form the New and Old Testaments in week five of our series, Word View. I'd like to read a passage of when Jesus Christ himself quoted about himself and this event that happened just after the resurrection. So let's read. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 49. Okay? And it says here, Then he said to him, to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in this law, okay, the law of Moses, the prophets, and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds, okay, to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer. And on the third day, okay, rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name in all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And in verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Let's pray. Father, bless the preaching your word. Bless, Lord God, Father, as, they, as we hear your word, let us not just hear but obey. I pray that you would illumine our, our minds, that you would open our hearts just like what Christ did to the disciples so that we would understand that we would be moved to obey and live According to your word, this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay? So, as I've said, um, the canon of Scripture, okay? How can we trust this Bible? How can we know that this is trustworthy? Now, the, 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 why, the reason why, why, why cannot, why can just God just, you know, have an open canon uh, until today He adds more things, Right? Well, there are actually three reasons. Historically, three reasons. I'm going to give you a very brief background of what happened historically, why they had to have a canon of Scripture. Number one is what we call, there were fake, okay, spurious or fake writings. There were others who were trying to copy, okay, that he wrote this. This is, uh, they said that, ako yung nagwrite nito, ako si Peter, I wrote this, but it's not actually him. Right? Or other letters. The tawadon yung mga fake letters. Or in our day and age, these are fake news. Okay? Mga fake news. The big tina ng fake news. Right? I mean, last year, and daming namatay na artista. Right? Namatay na do si Morgan Freeman. Na, sinibo bang mga namatay last year? Uh, Stanley has died and resurrected several times. Kaya yung resurrection to yun eh. Okay? Buhay pa rin lagi sila. But fake news is. It's in the air, right? We, we encounter it every now and then. Hindi, hindi bago yung fake news. Noong panahon pa ni Jesus or the early church, na experience nila yung fake news. Okay? There were false teachings as well. Not only fake news or spurious writings, spurious gospels, but there were false teachings. Okay? Especially by the guy by the name of Marsh, uh, Martian. Okay? Hindi siya Martian. Hindi siya ibang planeta. Martian ang pangalan niya. But he was... You know, trying to say that not all of the canons, especially in the Old Testament during that time, you can trust. And so because of this, you know, the church 
had to have a canon. But there's a third reason, okay? The third reason was there was a, uh, a persecution, especially several persecutions that happened. But the most uh, cruel one, crucial one, was the Diocletian. The Emperor Diocletian, nagsabi siya ng edict that they had to burn all sacred writings. And if you are found to have been holding or in possession of a Bible, susunugin ka rin kasama ng mga sacred writings. Okay? So, they had to know which of the sacred writings that the Christians were willing to die for. Okay? I'm willing to die for the Gospel of John, but not the Gospel of Thomas. Okay? So, if I found by the Gospel of Thomas, sige, sunugin nyo na yan, but not for the Gospel of John. So, the church had to come together to recognize ano ba yung mga coming from God Himself, alright? So that's just a long introduction to this. But really, just to recap, to have an understanding, because a lot of times, we go to canon and say, ano ba yung ibig sabihin? Importante ng canon. But I'm gonna give you a broader perspective, a bigger perspective, and as, as well as a summary of what I shared last week. Because it all ties in. It's coming, starting from the inspiration of the Bible. That's very important. That this Bible is the very Word of God, that God Himself, okay? This is not, you know, we can read a lot of inspirational books, books that can inspire you, but this is the only book that is inspired. Magkaibayon, okay? This is the only book that, that inspired. God breathed, breathed by the Holy Spirit. And that's why the authority, the last week we talked about yung inerrancy, na hindi siya pwede magkamali, Okay? Walang error dito, that's inerrancy and infallibility, hindi siya pwede magkamali. Right? It all stems from those three things. Okay? Very important. Now, again, I share that the basis of this is the authority of the Bible is just a reflection and an expression of the author of the Bible. Okay? This Bible is a reflection and an expression of its author. The God of the Scriptures. Okay? So, while that, that said, if I share that the, that's why the Bible is both timeless and timely, because it's reflective of who God is. That God is an eternal God. God is an unchanging God. That's why the Bible is the same. It's a reflection. <clears throat> now, this afternoon, we have to understand, that God <clears throat> is also self-existent, self-authenticating, Absolute sovereign tripersonality. And dami na, no? But very important yun. That God is self-existent. He, did, he was not created. Now, from the beginning, nandiyan na siya. Right? He's self-authenticating. He does not need to have others authenticate Him and say, ayan, totoong God yan. Because who can authenticate God? How can you say that unless you are God, you cannot authenticate God? Right? Self-authenticating. He's absolute, okay? He's an absolute sovereign personality. He's not a, you know, something out, something out there, but he's a personality, he's a community. You know, he's actually what we call covenant Lord, when, how he revealed himself to us. Covenant Lord, that means he's fully in control. He's in charge. There's one word that God never uses. It's the word oops, Okay? God never says, oops, because He's absolutely in charge. He's in control. He's 
has absolute authority. He has Lord, okay? He has ultimate authority. And he has special relationships with his people. Blessings and curses. Okay? That's why this is reflective of that reality of our God. Now what God did is actually, he, because of this covenant relationship, he codified, he made this something that is transferable from generation to generation, starting from Moses. Because in the time of Abraham, it was just a, a voice that Abraham heard, right? And they began to follow, or Noah and others. But starting the Moses, he codified, he made it into writing. Okay, that's why this tri-personality, it's not just one personality, it's three personalities, three persons in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And He is always at work. There is a divine dance, a divine choreography in every aspect of the creation and the redemption, even in the canon of scriptures, as I will share later on. So we see that the Father Himself wrote the, especially the Old Testament, especially the Ten Commandments. Okay? He ratified the covenant by writing it Himself. Look at Exodus chapter 31, verse 18. He gave it to Moses, and when he had finished speaking, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, were written by the finger of God. Moses did not write it. It's God the Father. It's Yahweh who wrote okay, the Ten Commandments. God ratified. God the Father. The Son, Jesus Christ, embodied the Word and lived it out. He incarnated the Word. That's why John chapter 1, verse 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the embodiment. He is the representation, expression, the full expression of the Father to His people. And His Word is given to us as well. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the Holy Spirit breathes on the scriptures. Okay, we, we read that several weeks ago. I think in week 3, 2 Timothy 16, all scripture is God breathe. It's the Holy Spirit who breathes on the word. That's why the, the tri-personality, this covenant Lord as expressed in this tri-personality gives us this so that we can have that special relationship with Him. So I'm giving you a big picture so that hindi nyo ma-isolate but this is very important. Now, when it comes to the canon, na kompleto na to, okay? There are 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, right? Now, again, these scriptures, the whole of what we call this entire Bible, the canon of scriptures, which talks about the entire 66 books of the Bible is again a reflection of who God is. It's a reflection of His self-authenticating, self-consistent nature of God. Only He could authenticate Himself. There's no created power or person which is in a position to judge this very word. That's why Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater to whom to swear, he swore by himself. In other words, wala nang ibang mas matinding authority eh. Di ba pag sinasabi mo, oh, uh, 
uh, kung papaniwalaan mo itong tao na to, okay, a greater person, a most trustworthy person, you swear by that person. And since, when, since God looked, wala na more trustworthy than himself, sabi niya, I swear by myself. In other words, ako na yung absolute person that's trustworthy. Okay? I'm the, I'm the standard. I'm the rule. Okay? And that's why, because if we try to validate, validate ultimate authority, we're talking about ultimate authority by appealing to some other authority then we have shown na hindi yun yung ultimate authority, right? If you try to prove the Bible by using another thing, if you try to prove God by using another device, another person, another authority, then you prove that that's not God. Ultimate authority, kahit na medyo circular, kaya nga self-authenticating. Why do we use the Bible to prove the Bible? It's because it's self-authenticating, just like God. Only an eternal, absolute person with absolute knowledge can be the authority of himself, can reveal himself absolutely. Okay? Now, that's why this is the standard for... Uh, for example, do you know that if you go to... How do you know... How do you measure yung isang metro? There are different ways to measure one meter. Yung pinapagwala kang gamit, di ba? Ganyan. One meter, supposedly. If you want to be more accurate, you go. You have a meter, uh, measuring tape, right? One meter. But if you want to be absolutely certain about one meter, you have to go to Paris in the International Standard of Weights and Measures. Okay? Now there, you will find, okay, Okay, a, a, an, a, an alloy composed of 90% platinum, 10% iridium. Okay? This is the meter, and they have to cool it down to zero degrees Celsius at a sea level of 45 degrees latitude. And when you measure that from tip to tip, that is the ultimate measure of one meter. Now, when it comes to the matters of spiritual life, the matters of our life, where do you find the ultimate authority? Because He is covenant Lord. He is, He holds ultimate authority. Okay? That's why tied in lahat to itong weeks before. Right? The Bible is the ultimate standard. Now, when you talk about the canon of Scripture, you know, in, the, in the, the time of Jesus, the Old Testament medyo set na yung canon of scriptures. That's why when we looked at, when Jesus talked about it in um, verse 44, can you flash verse 44? When Jesus said, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me, about Jesus, in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. In other words, this the Jewish Bible was already set. The Old Testament. Okay? These three books, you can divide it into three. The the law, the prophets, and the writings. Or in in the in, in the Jewish Bible, it's called the Torah. Talking about the law. Okay. The prophets, the Nailim, and 
the writings, the Psalms and other books, talking about okay, the Ketuvim, Tanakh, ang short, because we have that when we went to Israel, we used that. That's when we preached the word, we used first to reference the Torah because for them, yun yung pinaka, the first five books. And when you look at their Bible, the Old Testament and our Old Testament, it's exactly the same. Because set na yon, it was already established. Even the time that Jesus is already set, if you can research, set na yung Old Testament. Okay? So it's very important now when we talk about this, the Old Testament, when Jesus is talking about the scriptures, he was talking about this. Okay? The Old Testament, talking about himself. Now, this same 39 books, although sa Jewish Bible, magkaiba ng konti. Because, you know, the Chronicles were just one book. The Kings, Samuel, isang book lang yun. Ezra and Nehemiah was one book. But if you look at it, it's the same. It's the same as this. Okay? Now, again, when I talk about canon, therefore, I will apply it, of course, to the whole of Scripture, but more specifically to the New Testament because that's where a lot of the questions, that's where a lot of the things are being trying to be eroded. And when we talk about canon of Scripture, remember, this is a reflection of who God is. There are three components to the canon of Scriptures, okay, which is a reflection of God. First is what we call sovereign exposure. Sabi mo sa katabi mo, sovereign exposure. Okay? So again, yung pinakita natin verse kanina, all of this, the law, the, mo- the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled talking about Jesus Christ. In other words, in order for the church to be able to recognize the books of the canon, it must providentially and sovereignly have been exposed to the Bible, at least to the Old Testament. In other words, the question is, paano yung mga ibang mga books na wala? Well, because God is sovereign and there's no oops with God. The books that He has chosen to remain are the canon, are the ones that He would want to be part of this Bible. Okay? And He had the church to be exposed. How can you evaluate or recognize a work that's supposed to be canonical kung hindi pa naman nabasa, right? If the church did not read it, if it's the hidden book of somewhere of the Gospel of Thomas or something, but it's not, no, they don't know, they cannot evaluate, okay? right? Simple as that. And you know what? <clears throat> because of the sovereignty of God, listen to this. God preserved this book. When when the, the Babylonians raided and destroyed the temple, the Ten Commandments was placed in the Ark of the Covenant, right? When they stole and they looted everything, they destroyed everything, you know what? The Bible was still preserved. At least the scriptures, the Old Testament then was still preserved. Because of the sovereignty of God. God sovereignly preserved. Okay, I'm talking first of the Old Testament, okay? But I'm applying also. God sovereignly preserved the Bible. Even during times when, you know, they were ruled, uh, they were exiled, the Bible's still there. In fact, na preserved nga. If I talked last week about the Dead Sea Scrolls, where 
thousand, it's, it's almost, it's 99.9% identical to what we have right now. Dated thousands of years ago, to the time of Moses and others. Can you imagine that? Preserved, vacuum sealed. So, canonical books, let me tell you, canonical books, those that God sovereignly chose to reveal to the church and for church to be exposed to, cannot be destroyed or lost. Because if they were, they were never canonical in the first place. That's why the Bible says of, him, of itself, the seed of God, the, word, the seed of the Word of God is incorruptible and indestructible. Can you imagine that's how in Hebrews, that's what it describes itself. Many people try to burn a lot of papal edicts, they tried to kill all the translators in the past. I mean, it's, uh, it's, you can read that in church history. They tried to, you know, destroy this. All the emperors before Constantine, they were destroyed. And then afterwards, it's a lot of things. But it's still here with us. The sovereign work of God to preserve this. Sovereign exposure. Amen? Now, the next important thing how do we know and how can we trust the canon of scripture the components second is the inner testimony of the holy spirit the testimonies testimonium <coughs> spiritum sanctum okay the inner testimony of the holy spirit now be, for, verse 49 behold i'm sending you the promise of my father to you Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. It's very important. The Holy Spirit was given to us to lead us into all truth. That means we will know truth and we will know error. We will know the voice of the shepherd and we will know false shepherds because of that witness of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important for you to read the Bible for yourself. Because Paul says, when I begin, if there's another gospel that's being preached, okay, don't follow it. You will be able to know if you have the Holy Spirit. It's very important. The scriptures and the testimony of the Holy Spirit relate to each other. Okay, related yan. As objective trust and subjective assurance. It's like the light and the eye. The Bible is the light. And the church is like the eye. It's able to receive the light. It's not, the church is not the light because sometimes that's a mistake. The church is not the authority that makes the canon of Scripture. It does not say, these are the books. It just recognizes it. There's a difference. It's like the eye recognizing the light. Okay? The authority. We have, we have no, the church has no authority. Okay? To determine the canon of Scripture, it just recognizes which books are already canonical because these are self-authenticating. Okay? So I hope clear yun. Because that's an important, important distinction. Okay? It's like, okay, that, that statement in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. It's not the evidence of the authority of the sheep's decision to follow. But the decision, but the evidence for the authority of the shepherd's voice to call. Okay? So we just hear, we just recognize, oops, parang tama yan, this is the truth. 
Pag may narinig kang mali, oops, parang mali yata yan. Right? Because of the inner witness. In this way, the role of the church is like a thermometer, not a thermostat. Both instruments can provide information about the temperature. But one determines the temperature, the other just reflects the temperature. The church is like a thermometer. We will reflect, we will know these books are from God, are definitely divine. Okay? Inner witness. And the third, final one, is what we call canonical attributes. What makes the books, these books in the Bible, what makes them special? What makes them, you know, uh, divine? <laughs> well, because this, the author is divine, there should be divine imprints. There should be something that the Holy Spirit, when you read it, there's something different than no other person could ever write. Okay? And that's why these attributes, canonical attributes, okay, are very also important for us. Again, this is teaching, but I believe we'll have an application later on. But this will help you trust in the Word of God more. And that's my goal. For you to trust in this Bible, and for you to be, because if you trust this Bible, then you can start reading. Then you can start, start putting your trust in this word and this promise. Amen? These attributes of canonical attributes, one is what we call divine qualities. There are qualities that reflect who God is. Okay? Jesus said in verse 45, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. There's something about the Bible that no human wisdom could ever invent this. There's something about the harmony, the thread. There's something about the redemptive story of the Bible. Right? That it's, it's more than just human. There's something divine about it. There's something spiritual about it. If creation points to the Creator, as Psalm 19 and Revelation 1, uh, Romans chapter 1 says, diba? when you look at the super blue, blood moon, blue moon, blood moon, <laughs> super blood moon, whatever, and when you see a great sunset, right, magnificent sunset, I mean, it blows your mind, but it always points, wow, someone great must have created this. It points to a Creator, Right? It's called the general revelation of, of, of the God, of the Creator. It's like the, the paintings of the great masterpiece paintings, maybe of Da Vinci and Cezanne and others. When you look at it, wow, these are the works reflective of the masters who created them, right? That's creation. But the scriptures are special revelation given to God's people. Okay? These are like the classic masterpiece literature, spiritual literature given to us because there's beauty, there's excellence, there's harmony in all of this because it's the work of the tri-personality or the tri-unity. Amen? So divine quality. Second is corporate reception. What I mean by corporate reception? So you tell me corporate reception. Verse 47 says, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. 
You know, God's redemptive pattern is not just for individuals. The inner witness of the Holy Spirit is not just individuals. Now, okay, we can know the truth, but it's actually corporate. So the church would know and recognize this is definitely divine. This is a canonical book, and this is not. Okay? It's a, you know, um, someone said this, that God's redemptive pattern has not, only, has not simply to redeem individuals, but to redeem a people, a church for himself. That's why when God, by his redemptive activity, creates a covenant community, he gives them a covenant document to testify to that redemption. You know, one of the Bible scholars, Meredith Klein says, and others have argued that canonical books are ultimately and primarily covenantal books. God gives this document, covenant documents with that intent that this document become a community rule. It's not just for individual, but it's for us corporately. That's why there has to be corporate acceptance by the church. When this were made, the church fathers came together and recognized these books, these writings, okay, as canonical. Now, because of this, not only does the sovereign Lord okay, preserve His covenant documents, but He also preserves His covenant people. Think about it. Even though there's a lot of exile, and all, there was always a remnant. There was a preservation. And that should, you know, give you comfort. Whatever you're going through, Israel, right? And others. But God always preserved His people just like He preserved this word. Because it's inter, okay? Connected with one another. This is the covenant document for the covenant people of God. Now, finally, it's... So, your canonical attributes talks about divine qualities, talks about corporate and finally apostolic origins. I'm going to close now with this. Apostolic origins. Verse 48 says, You are witnesses of these things. You know, this scripture in Luke 24 is a post-resurrection event. Post-resurrection event, right? That means it happened after Jesus resurrected. And so the, the disciples already knew okay, His life. He was, they experienced Him. They experienced the death and now the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they are to be witnesses of these things. So the cross is actually at the center of these two great covenants that God gave us. The old covenant... Well, the Old Testament and the New Covenant and the New Testament. Think about it. The Bible was written after two great redemptive salvific acts of God. Israel from Egypt and humanity from sin through Jesus Christ. And that's why, you know, <clears throat> we can see that the cross is at the center. One is... The Old Testament precedes Jesus Christ across and explains and points to Him. The writings points to Him. And the, old, the New Testament proceeds after the resurrection as we are now witnesses 
to what has happened and we are to preach it to all the nations. The cross is the centrality. That's why this, this text that we, I, I, we read is actually at the crux of this creation of the canon of scriptures. See, the books of the New Testament were written by the apostles who were, or those who were closely associated with them. God did not just drop, God could have chosen to drop, okay, ito na yung libro, bahala na kayo. But what, what did God do? He chose to reveal His covenant documents in the history of His people. It's a redemptive historical account. Okay? God could have written in the, in the sky and says, these are the Ten Commandments, bahala na kayo, sundan nyo yan. But He chose to do it because of that special relationship, that covenant relationship. He chose to reveal Himself through His Word and use the history of His people to complete this part of His revelation of who He is. It's not abstract revelation, it's redemptive revelation. So in summary, let me show the summary of this, okay? It's a self-authenticating. The sovereign exposure talks about the, the work of the Father. The attributes of canonicity talks about the works of the Son and the internal witness of the Holy Spirit. It's a triune. It's, it's a choreo- choreography of the Trinity to reveal the Word of God that, can, that is trustworthy, that we can place our life and say, you know, I'm willing to put my life, to place my life, completely trust this for my life here and for eternal life. Amen? That's why the canon of Scripture reveals God's redemptive plan by pointing us back to Jesus Christ, that we can receive Him, that we can grow in Him, and that we can know Him. Listen, as I end, again, as I said last week, don't, don't trust, don't put your word, well, put, don't trust my word for this. I totally believe in the self-authenticating nature of who God is and His word. You read this Bible. You read this Bible and say, Lord, maybe you don't understand but you go to him in humility and say, open my eyes. Let me tell you, this will transform your life because these are his very words, his very promise, his covenant to you and to me. Don't take my word for it. You read it for yourself. This becomes the measuring rule of our lives. This is like our moral compass our compass was destroyed because of sin. Originally, it pointed to north, right? But when it's magnetized or demagnetized, it points in all directions. That's what happened to our hearts. It originally pointed to the true north, which is God. But because of sin, it points to all other things, Try to capture, magnetizes us, attracts us to different things. But through Jesus Christ and His Word, points us back to the true north, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why if your lives are in all places, different direction or no direction at all, purposeless, you go back to Jesus Christ. 
the canon of Scripture points us back to Jesus Christ because He is at the center of this. Seeing the sovereign hand of God and the witness of the Holy Spirit, this word can be trusted. As the, Jesus as the living word becomes the cornerstone, the plumb line. When we read the word, He exposes the scoliosis of our soul, the things that have bent us to certain things. And when this word, the measuring line, the standard for life, He straightens us so that we can walk rightly with Him. You just heard a podcast from Victory. For more messages like these and to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash victoryph.